0: I'll tell you what it really is is when you start to become the main income of your home, and I like I really feel this for a lot of people is if I'm not being a mom or I'm not working or that's pretty much it. it's like you're not doing your purpose on this earth. it yeah. starts to become so like defining
1: mhm, so the thing that gave you freedom is now the thing that. Puts you in a box, right? That puts the chains on you. Yeah. Welcome to the ownership game with Gary Montalbo. What would it take to get
0: into the driver's seat of your life and leave your mark? The ownership game starts now.
1: In today's episode, we are speaking to Jules Maven. Jules is a beauty influencer and social seller. She has single-handedly sold over $1.5 million in skincare and cosmetics. That is a lot of lipsticks for those of you keeping track. (laughs) Jules has a lot to teach us about overcoming adversity from leaving her awful corporate job to surviving cancer, navigating a business and life and all of it she has a really fascinating story that we're going to dive into. I wanted to have Jules on the show, not just because of the incredible success that she's had and everything we can learn from it, but also because she speaks very candidly about the price that she has paid for that success and how at times there wasn't balance and now how at times the success was really all that defined her. And now she's on a journey where she's really finding value not just in the success but all areas of her life and she's really looking at at how to have a balance between your health and your wellness and your success. I think it's a fascinating story and there's so much to learn from her and she is an absolute riot. So I've never, I never heard the story of how you got into direct sales and how, what were you doing before and what was the trend? How did you get into this business?
0: I, it's actually crazy. So, my cousin had done it with a completely different company and it's just something I, what she was doing, I just wasn't passionate about. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was like, I wish there was something with like makeup because you've loved makeup since you were a little kid. And I had somebody was doing like a little event, online party, whatever. And I had lost my grandmother a few months prior. And I was on the up in my corporate job. I was getting promotions and different things and something was missing. Mm-hmm. Like I loved my corporate job, but something was just missing. And I don't know, I saw this come up one day and I was like, my grandmother wants me to do this. It mm. it just was something that I was like, no, my grandmother wants me to do this. And so I started with that company and... I realized I loved doing what I was doing, but I didn't like the company I was with. Just didn't fall in line with their views and different things that they were doing. I'm very authentic, so I don't really fall in line with saying one thing and behind the scenes is another. Mm -hmm. And so I left with no other looking into anything else.
1: You still at your corporate job while you're doing this? Or had you already left your corporate job?
0: No, I still at my corporate job. I was working 80 hours a week, minimum.
1: Yikes. I had an
0: hour commute both ways, and I had two kids.
1: Oof. I mean, big big shout out to everybody who's doing that right now and listening. Hopefully, they're listening to this podcast during their one-hour commute.
0: <laughs> What's so funny is that's what I did. I would yeah. watch like trainings and tutorials, and I would screenshot where I left off, and then on my drive home, I would... Listen to a podcast or something like that, and fast forward to the part I was at, and I would pick it up on the way home.
1: Uh huh. Okay. So, at what point did you decide? Like, how did you make the transition from your full time corporate job to to your full time career as a influencer, makeup skincare guru, oh. top seller, top recruiter? all the things.
0: I actually got fired. Okay. So I was doing both for a really long time. Uh And then I got cancer. I had stage, almost stage four, stage three B ductal carcinoma. And I was in chemo one day and my Mm -hmm. doctor had been saying like, you need to leave. Cause the only day my corporate job would give me off was the day I had chemo. And if you've known anybody that's gone through cancer, the day of chemo is not what's bad. It's the day after and the uh-huh. day after that. And I still had that hour commute. They wouldn't let me transfer to a store closer. And so my my doctor was like, you need to leave. Like, okay. you cannot be Hold doing up. this.
1: <laughs> so you have cancer. I just want to make sure I'm getting this right. So you have cancer. You're working this job. They will not give you off for treatments. They will, on- they will only give you off for treatments, but not for your recovery. Mm-hmm. And they won't, like, you can't, they're not making any accommodations for what you're going through. Wow. Okay. I kind of want to name drop oh. this company now, but let's not go there. <laughs> but I kind of want to know. <laughs> yeah. I want some names. It was,
0: uh, it, was, okay. it was a good time. So one day I, was, I ran that store mm-hmm. and my assistant at the store had called me and was like, I just want to let you know our director's here. And he's interviewing our entire store about your job performance. Wow. And she's like, I think he's trying to fire you.
1: And you know you have cancer at this point. Like, they know you have I cancer. I am in
0: chemotherapy. Yeah, and they know. Me.
1: They know. Okay,
0: yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So so truly what had happened was, is but little backstory, is I was really sick. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. My doctor had thought I was depressed. That was his first thing he went to until he put me on (laughs) meds you've never heard this story no i have not
1: (laughs) but you know the the funny thing is like i mean it's now funny it's actually kind of sad that there's a whole other podcast episode that we should do on that but it's shocking to me how that is like the go-to answer when they cannot figure out like what is wrong or it doesn't, Not my like, view.
0: Fit. I had that hour commute. I was pulling over on the side of the road. I would leave my house earlier because I would fall asleep while I was driving. Mm-hmm. And I would it it was like I I was on like heavy drugs because I would yeah. be having a conversation with you and I would start to fall asleep.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so I had gone to he had put me on prescription meds. Well, one of the side effects of those meds, he had tried three different ones. The last one he tried, a side effect was seizures, and so. I was having seizures, and the last straw was I felt one coming on, I pulled over, and I woke up four hours later on the side of the road.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And so I had gone back, and I had told my company this. There was a store I could actually walk to from where I lived, and the bank that they used was right next door, so it was all walking distance. Uh He was like, no, you're a liability because you're having these seizures, and my doctor at the time took me out of work, my um, neurologist. Uh So I was seeing a neurologist two times a week. Even more than that, told me I couldn't drive. Luckily, a friend needed somewhere to stay and I had let her stay with me. So she was with me Mm -hmm. going to all of these things. And so I was out for three months, still didn't know what was wrong with me. They put me for sleep apnea. They did all of these things. I had so many EEGs Mm -hmm. on the brain. And finally, I had gone back to work and something was still wrong because they had put me on seizure meds. These seizure meds made me gain like 40 pounds in the amount of like two, three weeks. I couldn't bend my elbows. I couldn't bend my knees. I was in so much pain. I went back to the doctor and I looked at her and I was like, I need to tell you something. I need to ask you if you could take my blood work. I said, for some reason, I feel I have cancer. I said I can't tell you why I feel this way. I was like, but it is a overwhelming feeling that I have cancer.
1: Really? And she was
0: like, "Mm -hmm." and that just
1: it came to you as a download from nowhere.
0: Yeah, I was like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because I had asked him. I was like, when can we do? I had seen my doctor was a male. I saw a nurse practitioner this day, who was another person I saw at that office. And I was like, I'd asked him previously with all the cancer, with all the um, depression meds he put me on, I was like, when can I be screened for breast cancer or a colonoscopy or something? And he's like, he's like, you're too young for that. He's like, you have to be 40 years old.
1: (laughs) I had not heard this story at all. This is insane. So, and nobody ran your blood work?
0: Well, she ran my blood work, but at that time I was so, I had so much weight gain. It had stretched my skin. I ended up having cellulitis in my legs. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, well, your white blood cell count is elevated, but I think it's just because of the cellulitis. Got it. Called me a hypochondriac, sent me home. So my acts at the time, so with women, when you wear a bra, you have this underwire Uh and a lot of the times they pop out and they poke you. In the side. Well, yeah. I thought I had scar tissue underneath. And my ex was like, there's a lump there. I was like, don't tell me that. Don't send me back to the doctor. They just told me it was a hypochondria. <laughs> so I had let it go. I had gone back to work. I had the the seizure meds, the cellulitis, all this crazy stuff was going on. And my lump. So I'm, I now have nothing. Double mastectomy. But when I had breasts, they were like a size E. Okay. Big girl. And so when this this tumor, that's what it was, had grown to where when you looked at me, you could see it. Like very small, but you could see it. So I went back to the nurse practitioner that called me a hypochondriac. (laughs) And I was like, she was like, did my exam? And she's like, it doesn't feel like cancer. But if you would like to get checked out, we'll set you up for a referral. And so at that time
1: Yeah, like, yes, please. um, (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm thinking nothing's wrong, though, Uh because I'm a hypochondriac. Nothing's wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: I scheduled the appointment, but I ended up getting the flu years ago that the vaccine like didn't work on. And like people were getting very ill and told to like stay home if you have all this stuff. So I had to reschedule my appointment for like two, three weeks out. So I did. And at that time, you can now see this tumor. It's growing that fast. And it is bulging.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: So I go to the doctor and I brought my daughter with me because I thought nothing was wrong. I thought it was just going to be a checkup. And the head nurse calls me in her office and she's like, do you have someone to watch her? I was like, no. She goes, well, you need a biopsy done. She cannot be here for a mammogram or a biopsy. It's too much. And I said, well, can I schedule it out? And she goes, yeah, if it's tomorrow. So my work is already giving me a super hard time because Mm -hmm. I had been out with the seizures. Then I got the flu and I was like, I cannot miss work. Like I can only do my appointments on my day off. Like I can't, she goes, then I need you to call someone because this needs to be done right now. They stayed late. The whole staff stayed late so I could get this done. So God bless my mom. She comes running to get my daughter, has to pick my other daughter up from school and takes them home, and so the doctor called me in. She did my mammogram, and she has to take pictures before she does the biopsy. And she's like, okay. She brings up my tumor on the screen, and it looks like a black heart. That's exactly what it looked like. And she goes, we rate these as a scale of one to five. She goes, one meaning, like, you're good. You know, there, there's nothing there. Keep doing your home self-checks. Two meaning it looks like there's a start of a cyst, but keep an eye on it. Three meaning that we'll schedule you out for six months. It's nothing we need to handle right now. Four meaning we have to schedule a biopsy within the next few months. And a five meaning there's a 95% chance that this is cancer and we need to move very quickly. And she swiveled around in her chair and she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, and you rated a five. And at this point, I thought everything was hunky dory that I was a Mm -hmm. hypochondriac up until this moment. And so I'm just staring at her and tears are falling down my face. And my doctor's office was across the street from a college. So the nurse came in. She's like, I was wondering when this was going to hit you, that this was serious. And she's like, let me give you some tissues. I'll give you a minute. I was like, I need several, several minutes. (laughs) But I walked out and I looked out the window and I saw all these college kids dancing and having fun. And I can hear the music and the laughter. And I was like, life is still going on.
1: Mm -hmm. And either
0: I stop and let this control me because it's not, it's not like stopping anyone else's world. And so from that moment, I was like, no, here we go. And it's been Mm -hmm. a ride ever since.
1: You put on your big girl pants. Wow. There's so many different ways we can go with this thing now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, obviously you're Okay. So I think we need for the listeners just to you, 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 you already said you had a double mastectomy. Um, I just
0: hit five years cancer free.
1: Amazing. Congratulations. That's so beautiful. So let's go back to how you made that transition again, because I mean, I know for you, it sounds like you had a life circumstance and you had the company sounds like they pushed you out. Right. But at that chemo
0: appointment, she had told me, I think he's trying to fire you. And I just started crying. And my doctor came out and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, my job. And he's like, you're done. He's like, you're done. He's like, you're going on medical leave. I'm, you're not dealing. like You cannot deal with this right now. So he took me out. And then a week before I was able to go back to my corporate job, they were like, no, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And they let me go.
1: And they let you go. Okay. So you being faced with, so I, what part, what part of your treatment is this? Are you, you're still this going, is... are you still undergoing treatment at this point, I would imagine? Yep. Yeah.
0: I, I still had many sessions to go.
1: So if you, so now you're, they let you go. Are you going back to work, different job? Are you like, how did you decide I'm going full in with my skincare? Are you, are you with LimeLife, the company that you're with
0: now? Yes. Okay. Yep. So
1: you're, you're with LimeLife you you you're doing your thing how did you decide okay i'm gonna go full in on this thing or i'm gonna go back to work somewhere else like the
0: craziest the craziest part is when i was taken out for the three months for the seizures Mm -hmm. i had an overwhelming feeling it was from god and he told me he's like i don't want you to go back to this job Mm -hmm. and i didn't listen and i went back And so when in those three months I was off, the only income I had was line life, was was the job I was at. And so I'm a worker. I've always been somebody who's had like a couple jobs. I I had a teenage pregnancy. So while I was in high school, I needed to make my job and graduate. And I had a child. Mm -hmm. So I was always very driven. And so when I was taken out of work and I was sleeping all the time, when I was awake, I was like what, what do I do? So I went full bore with with lime life and yeah, I just anytime I was awake, like I kept busy. My kids loved doing makeup with me. They loved having fun. So I just I kept going with that and then when I was taken out of work, you it just... just it just I just kept going.
1: Okay. So, cut to how long has it been? How many years?
0: I oh my gosh, I'm not good at math. 2017, 17. 16, one of those. Okay, we'll blame so, the chemo for why so I about don't remember.
1: Six, so about six years in, mm. in 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 Lyme life, and you know what you've accomplished is pretty remarkable. Like for context for people listening, so you're in you're at the top uh, top rank of the company. You are top seller, top recruiter, consistently for several years. You have surpassed and broken all kinds of sales records, and I mean, like, by like a lot. And <laughs> it, it, you are definitely by far one of the top performing beauty guys distributors, not just in this company but globally. Right when you when you hold up your report, mm-hmm. so you, what you've accomplished is quite remarkable. I just want people to know that the 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 magnitude of what you've accomplished you are probably in the 0.05 percent of people in your industry do you feel do you feel like do you get that i guess my question is do you (laughs) no
0: no no i'm i i'm so bad when it comes to things like that i don't know like it's you hear so much as you grow up and You become an adult. You hear it from when you're a kid. It's like, okay, great. But you could have done better. Mm. And so that's kind of something I've been working on where it's like, just take a minute.
1: I want to just talk about your success and what are you attributed to? What, what, because, yeah, it's just pretty remarkable. Like, what do you think is your secret, your key to success?
0: Faith. and, And that's really it. Faith in in God that I'm surrounded with the people I'm meant to be, faith that people will like me. I I'm it's so funny to say this because I'm all over social media, but I'm very insecure. Mm. Like my first mindset when with you was like he doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so <laughs> it's so much easier to say, Well, they don't like me and find out they do. Than to think someone does and they really don't mm-hmm. to me, and so it's just faith that the the right people find me for the beginning of this journey. I tried to be the person everybody likes. I had the backdrop up and and I dressed a specific way, and my hair always had to be like perfectly done until one day it just got exhausting. It was when I got sick mm-hmm. it just was I was too tired to put the backdrop up. I was too tired to make my bed. And I was like, you know what? This is where I'm at. Like, I I can't do this. If I can't go to my actual job where I, do, where I have to do that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm not doing that here because I just don't have the energy to do it. And so that's really what it became, that I'm not going to be for everybody. I'm very loud. I swear like a trucker. I've watched my mouth on this. You're welcome. Just saying. We could bleep. Um, <laughs> bleep. And I just had to be okay with just being myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really where people falter. And a lot, I feel, in this industry and in social media, because I feel a lot of the time people put on a facade of, like, maybe you're the positive person all mm-hmm. the time on social media, and you're having a bad day. And so now you won't show up, and that bad day turns into a bad month, turns into a bad year. Not always for people that can easily turn that around, but for a lot of people, things life happens. And so when you're not in a positive space now, now you can't do your job because you've turned it Mm -hmm. into only being this. And sometimes it's just it's not going to be that way, and you have to be okay with those seasons. And understand that no matter what, like you're enough. Like even in your worst moments, you're you're doing enough. Like you you're doing enough. Yeah. You don't have to be somebody else.
1: So is it fair to say that so you, you talked about you struggle with feeling confident sometimes or feeling secure? And you mentioned that there is like a the, the from the past the the ghost being told you're not good enough. I think it, it is fair to say that that also is part of your success because you're, you're like pushing yourself to overcome that, to prove something in some way like that, like almost that, that, the, that negativity also fueled you in a way.
0: Yes, for sure. It's truly, it's kind of like the age old saying, like, if you're not first, <clears throat> you're last, which is appropriate in specific things in my mind where it's like. If I'm training, like I gotta be first. But when the race comes and you're not, like you still put your all into it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like specific things like the whole you can do better attitude is beneficial in ways of you can do better. Like there, there is always things you can improve on. However, but when it takes over, your whole success or your whole accomplishment is when it becomes an issue.
1: Yeah. You've been, if we can get a little deeper, I know that you've been on a journey over the last few months, like this, all of this success and all of these accomplishments and all of this kind of came to a head for you. Right. And you've had a big year. You got married, your partner, your husband came with a family as well. So now your family's bigger and Life and life is lifing. So you've had you you've had this big year, and how would you describe like what it will coming to a halt for you? Like that that moment when you were like, okay, something's got to change here.
0: So I got married, and when I was getting married, your insurance transfers. Mm-hmm. So my insurance went up like I don't know, like six hundred dollars like Mm -hmm. mine that I had before I got married. And so when it went up, I had put a card on file and it expired. So therefore my insurance could not be billed and it Mm -hmm. goes to the next month. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, the next month, my bank account got hacked. (laughs) And so when it got hacked, I also missed my insurance payment. Mm -hmm. And the next month, when it came through that I didn't have any insurance, I was getting married in like two and a half weeks. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. Like, I'll just wait until I get married. Well, through all of that, I have a medicine. It's called Synthroid or levothyroxine. It's for your thyroid. And I don't take a normal dose. So many times for people, they go with like, what we'll say like 10 micrograms. Well, because of cancer and everything it did on my body and chemo. I take 400. Mm -hmm. So I take a very large dose of this for me to be able to function, I guess. Now at this time, I didn't know this. I was like, oh, it is what it is. And I had let myself go for a long time. So I guess it was that my health came first to everybody. It still does. Like Anytime I I don't know. I'm like, wow, I've been really tired for the last couple of weeks. People are like, have you gone to the doctor? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, <laughs> five kids and I'm tired. And so when it came to my medicine and it came to me feeling really off, I didn't tell anybody. I, I, I didn't tell anybody. And so I basically went two and a half, three months cold turkey of not having this medicine. Mm. And it caused complete dysfunction throughout my whole body, my mm-hmm. mental health, my body, everything. I literally went to the ER because I was so scared and he was like you're lucky you're not dead. Yeah, he was like this is not something to like play around with. I said I really I wasn't playing. I just uh I just put myself last. To be honest, I was like oh it'll be fine. Like we have all this stuff going on and we have five kids and I have my businesses and It just and we're getting married so that's on the forefront and I was last yeah not on purpose it's just the way I like the way I'm used to operating the way many mothers are very used to operating is I'm last
1: yeah and you and I think you push yourself pretty hard in your in your business as well so I think as entrepreneurs it's easy to fall under this trap of like not taking care of yourself so well because we love what we do, right So often it doesn't feel like work, right? You're probably still putting 80 hours, <laughs> but it's yours, right? It feels different. You're getting acknowledged differently. you're getting different results and and the payoff is different. Usually the more you put in the more you get back. So it's easy to fall uh, under this trap. And, and get to a place where you realize, wow, I'm really not taking care of myself here. I'm, I'm really not honoring my body. I'm really not honoring my health.
0: I'll tell you what it really is, is when you start to become the main income of your home. And I, like, I really feel this for a lot of people is it starts to feel like well, I was actually told from a previous little relationship, but that's a whole nother podcast date. It starts to feel like that's all you're meant for. So when you're not working and when you take time away and when you if I'm not being a mom or I'm not working or uh, that's pretty much it. It's like you're not doing your purpose on this earth. It yeah. starts to become so like defining.
1: Mm hmm. So, the thing that gave you freedom is now the thing that puts you in a box, right that puts the chains on you, yeah, so talk to me about since that moment i mean i know I know a little bit about your journey and the work you've been doing, but since that moment, you've really been at work at introducing balance back into your life if it was ever there, <laughs> so talk a little bit about that and 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 what's that been like.
0: That is probably the most difficult. This is probably the I, I don't even say that this because it's current, probably one of the most difficult things I I go through because I, I still struggle with that mindset. I, I still struggle with putting myself last. And it, mm-hmm. it's, it's really I feel like in anything, it's more of a self-awareness. It's like, oh, I'm doing that again. Because in in all actuality, like I I do still do that. Mm-hmm. I, there's not a lot of balance. I I I'm definitely better. I it, quite frankly, it's it's a workaholic. Let's call it what it really is, okay. and it, it's an addiction of sorts. Because it, I mean, not of sorts. It just is. And I feel like people they hear workaholic and they're like, oh, that's such a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's not. It's not like you find your purpose in something instead of yourself. And it's not good, but I have been doing a lot better. I have my schedule that I keep. I have severe ADD on top of all of this. Mm -hmm. So like my mom's always, she still makes fun of me actually today. She's like, you can see where you've been. She's like, because I'll see the way your mind works as you picked something up over here. And then Mm -hmm. you went and cleaned something up over here, but you set that down. And she's like, and it's just, you've been that way since you were a kid. And so I've really had to kind of buckle down and create a lot of boundaries Mm -hmm. with my children.
1: Mm.
0: Which is so hard as a mom, because you don't ever, I can't say you don't ever want to tell your kids no, because you do. But when it comes to like, I have, oh, mom, I have a game tonight. Or, oh, I have a birthday party I have to go to. I forgot to tell you. And me looking at them being like, you don't know. And that's so like, it seems so harsh, but we have a family schedule where it's like, okay, we have kids ranging from 16, 14, 9, 8, and 2. Mm -hmm. And they're all busy. All of them do multiple sports, clubs, activities, friends. And so I'm like, no, like I've run a multitude of businesses. I also have a two year old here. And so it doesn't work that way. And we just bought a house. So what they're used to is living five minutes from their school. And now we live 20 minutes away from their school now. And I'm like, listen, things have changed. And instead of like making it change for them, I tried to change myself and my schedule to keep it the same for them and it was just it was burning me out so yeah i tell them like if you have games concerts activities birthday parties if it's not on that schedule you don't have it so it's it's teaching them a sense of organization and responsibility as well
1: i love this so much i i i don't know that every parent listening would have the courage and the Discipline to do that, but I think it really teaches them something. It teaches them accountability. It teaches them responsibility. It teaches them consequences. I love this so much. I, I really acknowledge you for that. That's very, that's very courageous. Because I feel like parents are under such pressure nowadays. Like when I look at what, just like in, like even birthday parties, I'm like, I look what parents have to do now just to. I was like, oh, birthday parties did not look like that when I was a kid. (laughs)
0: like no, no. <laughs> it's like it's just, you... you know and, and i actually it's really it's social media because you see one person do 1,000%. something and it's just this craziness and my kids try to do that they're like well so-and-so's so-and-so doesn't have to do chores and i'm like that's really great they don't live here
1: go see if they want if they have they can take an extra <laughs>
0: yeah and my kids have really come accustomed to it they're actually really grateful for it because they're like they know what's coming like what's going on when they come home mm-hmm. they're like oh mm-hmm. i didn't know three kids had something going on oh this is a game we're all going to this right mm-hmm. yeah Yep. Yeah. and it's all color coordinated i love it i love so it we know which kid times everything and And I do that with my, with my jobs and stuff too. It's just, it's all color coordinated. This is what's going on. And sometimes I have to look at people and be like, no, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Any other, anything else that you've been doing to support you in in this?
0: I'm actually reading. (laughs) So I put my phone down at night Mm. and I read three chapters of a fiction book, which really helps me sleep because I go to bed thinking yeah of this book and everything that I read. And so I've that's probably the best thing that I've done Mm -hmm. is reading.
1: Yeah. I love that so much because we just always have these things in front of us. Like we're always like so I love the idea that you're Making your brain work differently as you wind down and as you unplug from that, so, so good okay, so what so as we start to really wrap up and you' there's a lot of people that listening that I think are going to really identify with it with with a lot of what you're talking about in terms of not having boundaries and working yourself to death or working yourself to a point of not not really feeling like you're there. What advice do you have for them? As they're they're if they're facing the same thing, like where, where what words do you have for them?
0: I think it's just really giving yourself a lot of grace because there are times that I very much mess up mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh, I gave into that. I probably shouldn't have. Or oh, it it's uh, eleven o'clock at night and I'm still awake doing work. And I was supposed to go to bed two hours ago. Mm. It's really understanding that you cannot you cannot live your life how you have for such a long amount of time and then automatically change everything about it. Like if you are a workaholic, you have to start with steps and so being good. like, this is, I'm going to work on going to bed earlier. And that's what you work on first. And understand that if you want to wake up, like I used to wake up, late in the day and now I'm getting up at five and doing yoga and reading a self-help book and having my coffee before my kids wake up. And that was, that was probably a solid year of working to that because you can't Mm. go to bed every day at two in the morning. And then all of a sudden be like, I'm going to bed at nine and waking up at five. Like you have to give yourself grace of, okay, like I'm still doing it. Like still sometimes I sleep in a, a, Listen, a lot of the time I'll sleep in past five, but I still wake up even if it's seven o'clock and I'm like, I'm a five, I'm a morning person. I'm a 5 a.m. person. Like I Mm -hmm. say that to myself and it's getting in the habit. So I go to the gym too. And sometimes I'm sick. I don't want to go to the gym, but I'll go to the gym and sit outside. So, I keep in that routine of being like, "No, I might wow. not be able to do this today, but i'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and i'm going i'm still like I'm at the gym, I don't feel well, I can't breathe right, like something's wrong, but I keep in that routine because that that means something to me like mm-hmm. it's a little bit of control in a life that's uncontrollable,
1: so so good there's so many gems there i I love that idea of creating structure, creating control in the chaos. It's something that I know that really works for you. I think even with all your success, even with you, you, you're in a position where you're constantly training and coaching other people and helping them grow their businesses. You're a mom, so you're in a, in a constant training leadership position in that. But you you're, you're, you're very coachable. You are one of the most coachable people that even in your success, even in your in in your yeah, as you mastery of sorts, you you still stay humble, you still stay in a question of learning, you still stay in a question of how can I keep growing? And you take the coaching and you implement it immediately. Like you go, Oh, I got it. The moment you see something, you put it in right away. You don't you don't like wait, you don't like, oh, okay, got it. And you implement it. And I think that's one of your superpowers. I really do. I think it, it really supports you in your in your evolution and your growth, and 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 it keeps you. But I think it has to do with your humbleness too. I think that's probably. I,
0: <laughs> I I've gotten to the point where I've been like, I don't need to go to this training. I don't need to do this. Like, I'm good at this. I don't. I don't like myself when I'm like that. Because there's always something to learn. And there's always something, like I said, there's always something to work on. This is one of those moments where that phrase of you can always do better comes really into play. And it's an appropriate moment. Because when you think you know everything, you're missing out on so many things. Like you're missing out on on life and experiences and fine-tuning there, there, there's just a lot with that. Like I I've been there. I've gotten cocky before. Mm. I've I've been uncoachable before, but I didn't like how I felt. And like, I don't know, there's I, I do therapy and I do counseling and I do stuff like that. And my my counselor says that too. And I was like, at the end of the day, I don't have to live. Like, let's say my husband and I got a divorce, knock on wood, we won't. But let's say we did. At the end of the day, if he's not here, he's not the one I'm worried about fixing. It's me. And that doesn't mean bending to everybody else. That doesn't mean changing for everybody else. That means, can I live with myself, with what I'm doing, who I am, and the person I am every Mm -hmm. day? And with many things, yeah. With many things, yes. But there are some things that I sit back and I'm like, ooh, I don't really like how I reacted to that. Or I don't Mm. really like how I handled that. And I I don't give the excuses of like, oh, it's because I went through this. No, I went through that. That's not who I am today. So I just, I'm very open to those things because at the end of the day, the only person who's really going to be there for me and sees everything that nobody else sees is is me.
1: Yeah. You got to be with yourself wherever you go.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's just, that's so important to me.
1: Yeah. No, I get it. So what's next for Jules Maven?
0: I'm really running towards praying for, hoping for, to be like on a magazine cover. Yeah? Yeah. I love that. The reason being is I, I hear all the time is like, oh, people say a lot because I have no breasts. I'm plus size. I'm actually mid-sized now. Thank you, Jim. But they're like, you promote an unhealthy lifestyle. And I'm like, no. Like, I had to love myself where I was to understand that I needed help. To understand that I deserved more. But if you're sitting here telling people, like, it's a shame to be the way that they are, Mm -hmm. all they do is sit in shame. They're not like, I could do better. They go into the gym disliking themselves. So they don't they don't really want to go back because it's it's now a like a piece that they're like ashamed of. And so yeah, I I really want to show like my scars and my stretch marks as a mom and my mid-size self and really give that message like to to go for it, to not settle short that your imperfections are perfect people. And that you can't let, like, your past and your past situations define where you are. There's there's always room for growth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, any editors out there listening to Jules, she's got a great story and she's ready for your magazine cover.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Reach out to her. Jules, you are lovely. It's been such an honor to have you on the show. We will have you back again. And again, cause there's so many things that we can talk about. This is this is just the tip of the iceberg. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Jewel's success is absolutely extraordinary and so inspiring. And it also serves as a cautionary tale of what can happen when we let success become our end game when success becomes our sense of purpose when success becomes a thing that identifies us or that heals us completes us success can never be the thing that heals us or our healing will always depend on what we can achieve what we have or what we can buy Now don't get me wrong, success can often fulfill us, it can often expand us, teach us, and those things can be healing in itself. But anytime your self-worth, your value, your healing depends on... An outside entity, you will always be a prisoner. You will always be at the effect of something. When you can take ownership over those things and you take ownership over your healing, regardless of what's in your bank account, regardless of what job you have, regardless of what relationship you have, that's true freedom. That's true ownership. And when you have that, you can stay empowered during any adversity, any outcome, any result that you have in your life. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ownership Game with your host, Gary Montalvo. Make sure to like and comment on your favorite podcast platform, as well as subscribe so that you never miss an episode.